glory in the legends of this hard muscle life. And there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. But now's the time to work and strain at a sport that tests the spirit and challenges the brain. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Hey, I'd like to have 75 degrees of sunny all the time, too, but that's not football. Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? We're going to play us through light and rain. Go face them and fight them. Be savage again. What's good, everybody? Put me in Coach Podcast is back for Super Bowl week. Um, Bobby Blanco, Greg Reporter, Tom Natale, and Bill Wallerstead, Cookie, filling in for Ian Foster this week, who has to work. Um, And that's my fault that Ian's not here. Because I originally said, guys, last week, we need to do Thursday. Because I was going to the Maryland game on Tuesday night. And then I completely got my Thursdays mixed up. Remember, I already had plans for Thursday, so I couldn't do Thursday. And then Tuesday, I was like, hey, I can do it after the Maryland game because it's only a 7 o'clock game. Then we got some bad weather. We got home a little late. And also, no one responded to it. Like, guess what I do after the game? <laughs> but um, So, yeah, my fault that Ian, we had to do it on a night that Ian can't do it. I don't know. I think, uh, I think we came out on top. I mean, we're still potting, so. Yeah. Ian's pod you so hard. Pod me so hard. <laughs> um, Miss you. Yeah, so Super Bowl week, we're going to obviously preview Rams, Patriots, the Redskins over the past couple of days have made a couple of coaching hires. Yep. Uh, we haven't touched on the Caps and the Wiz in what it feels like forever, so we're going to touch on that. Doing that. Which I don't, Ian doesn't want to talk about them anyway, so <laughs> good thing he's missing. <laughs> and then, of course, Gregory's going to give us a review. Um, Ryan Gregory's. Ryan Gregory's on some sort of, which I kind of want to chime in on too, but I know you have your own thing that you're going to talk about. but Chime along. Uh preview or like quick teaser i just this entire week just rewatched season one of true detective nice and listened to a podcast the entire time <laughs> and it was awesome <laughs> i'm caught up on season three so oh nice i have yeah. not started i like it i like it i like it too uh my one critique is that we haven't had that oh fuck moment yet like mm-hmm. in season one like the reggie ledoux episode right so we're still waiting on that and we're halfway through now so we got it kind of um, halfway. Yes, thank you, Gregory. Um, <laughs> we need the uh, we need kind of a all right. Let's get the ball yeah. rolling. Although this past week kind of ended on what yeah, could be. Oh yeah, so. man. I w- yes, the suspense is killing me. Yeah, <laughs> is um, it? Give, just give me all the Mahershala Ali in the world. Oh my god, just, just so give me a memory. I mean, he he's, is he's, what's. If you don't, if you don't want to watch this season, we'll talk about it later. If you don't want to watch the season because of season two, at least watch it for him. I mean, he is fantastic. Yep. He's right up there with McConaughey and Harrelson from yeah. season well, one. Well, speaking of you know celebrities, we got a um, big time Bob here. So the three of us, Porter, Bobby, myself, and a bunch of others, were out in Baltimore this past weekend. We were at a bar called Mother's in Federal Hill. Is that <laughs> right, Bobby? Yes. It's okay. In Federal Hill. Um, so we're at the we're in like the corner of the bar, sitting at a table, and in walks um, the starting outfielder on the Baltimore Orioles, Trey Mancini. And like Ian freezes, and even that I was like so I know fucking funny. I know who he is. Like, I'm like, holy, holy shit! It's, it's, your it's Trey Mancini. And then like as he's doing that, Bob goes, "Oh, Trey, hey, hey, man, what's up?" And they're they're sitting there. We're like, that is well, pretty, <laughs> pretty <laughs> beat, pretty big time. Well, okay, well, one, it was hilarious because. I was not facing the door, and like Ian was across from me. And he was the first one that spotted me, and so he was like mid conversation, and then just froze and goes, "That's Trey Mancini." <laughs> like he, like he didn't completely forgot what he was talking about, and I said, well, "Was like what? That's Trey." And I like turned around, and he's right there, 
And I said, hey, but also keep in mind, I was with him, not all day, but I saw him earlier that day at Orioles Fan Fest. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of stuff with Trey. Trey's a great guy. We do a lot of stuff with him for Mass and All Access. So, um, yeah, he, uh, my coworker, Paul, Paul Mancano, and him are, are like, I wouldn't say they're tight, but they have a good, like, going back and forth. I was like, Paul's coming out later, and Paul did come out later, but mm-hmm. kind of cross. Oh, we actually did. We ran into him at that bar, too. So, so yeah, Trey's a good guy, and that was, that was kind of funny. It's pretty BT. And then we took a, and then uh, Ian took a selfie with Trey and then sent it to Nick Umo, who obviously is a diehard Orioles fan and who he claims is Trey Mancini's quote unquote best friend because of that one time he saw him out in a bar after opening day yeah. last year. Um, well, what was funny was that Ian, I mean, he was, he had tunnel vision and was just like very excited. And then, you know, politely asked him and said, like, I don't want to be annoying. Can I get a picture with you? Gets a picture and then immediately just like, doesn't acknowledge him after that. Yeah. And you're talking to him for like a minute and he's just like, oh my God. Just talking <laughs> shit to Ubo. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> look who I'm and with. And moment over. And yeah. Nola. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that happened. That was funny. It was adorable. Thank you. Me or him? Hmm? Hmm? Him. <laughs> to, to, to see him like that. Like if, uh, yeah. I mean, I probably would have skis my jeans if I saw Mattis walk through the door. So I can't knock him too hard, but it was just seeing it in person was funny. Meeting meeting players is fun. Um, okay, so but back to the DMV. It's freezing outside, by the way. It's freezing in here. Cold. I mean, I'm not freezing, but it's cold. Yeah. Like I feel like we're always complaining about the temperature in this room. It's either freezing or it's butt hot. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, not insulated very well. Yeah. No, they put up the drywall real well, but they don't think they put anything else behind it. The miracle how well our podcast sounds in this room, considering I am there's no insulation. Or unplugging right. this. Uh, we're, box. T- we're also trying to watch the Wizards game and it's not working and Tom's going to explode. That's probably for the best. Do we really want to watch it? No. I, I don't want to watch it. I mean... Basketball silly. Well, at least we only have... <laughs> <laughs> at least we only have half of the... Halfway. NBA fans on the... Like, with Ian here, like, they would both, like, stop doing what they're doing and pay attention to the game and, like, the conversation just dies. With Ian out here, <laughs> there's at least a chance that the three of us can continue talking while Tom watches the game. <laughs> I just lo- I'm just so emotionally invested in the Wizards because they put on such a good product for 35-plus years, and, and it's, you know... And this year... So I'm really glad that, uh, you know, I'm really glad that, I'm, that I am a fan. I'm impressed that you still watch. I cannot. I mean, it's appointment viewing when you can see Chetty Osman drop, what, 27 last night? Yep. Raindrops. Um, I don't know. Did you guys stop watching the Orioles this year? I couldn't. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> they couldn't. forced me. <laughs> they did. I didn't make a choice to stop watching as much as. But here's the difference between the Orioles and the Wizards. The Orioles are actually accepting their fate, True. or a, a bad team, and going through a rebuild. Where the Wizards are, for whatever reason, are trying to make the playoffs. Oh, okay. And are still losing to the worst team in the NBA on yeah. the road. But more on that later. But what were you going to say? I was going to say it's a lot easier to stop watching basket or baseball just because there's, A, twice as many games, True. and, B, they're boring. Even if it's a team you like, half the time it's boring. Yeah. Basketball, generally pretty exciting. You know, you're going to get a highlight from, from somebody. You're going to yep. get some scrub dropping 27 points in the Wizards because, hey, he just gets hot because it's the Wizards. Yep. So either way, there's going to be entertainment for that. So Rule number six. True. A little, a little harder to drop basketball. That's true. Yeah. I would agree. I've never not been able to watch basketball. I mean, NBA and college. I still watch regardless. Um, okay, so we got a big game here on Sunday, obviously. The big game. Super Bowl. I think it's hilarious when 
Superb Owl. People can't say Super, Super Bowl. They have to say the big game because they're not technically sponsors of the Super Bowl or the NFL. Say what? You know, have That's you ever noticed? Thing? Yeah. Have you ever noticed like TV ads? I don't, I don't watch sports TV. Okay, but like you're going to watch the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. You, in you, the ads, they can't say Super Bowl? Some of them yeah. can't because like, they're not official sponsors. They, they, Super Bowl is trademarked. They Jesus can't Christ. say Super Bowl in an ad because they're not a sponsor. Unless they are a sponsor. Unless I they mean, are. that makes sense. They'll say the big game. Petty. Yeah, like local, like, you know, come down to the big screen stores for the big game. Get a new TV before the big uh, game. They can't say Super Bowl. That comes to mind now, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. just stupid. I knew that would get under your skin. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fucking bullshit. Get over yourself. So, uh, Goodell gave his um, State of the Union yeah, address. I saw that. That went well. Yeah. <laughs> what and, a clusterfuck. And he um, <clears throat> basically said nothing, as I understand it. See, Bruce, even Goodell gets and faces the music. <laughs> yeah, Wasn't he didn't a, say anything. Wasn't uh, Peyton, wasn't there something about the t-shirt yes. under his? Yeah. Yeah. Was what? that real or no? no? Go ahead. Yeah, he was wearing the like the Barstool like Goodell clown shirt underneath his like team zip up. <laughs> you could just barely see the top of it. So it was like. Who was? Was he talking Sean with? Payton. Was he talking really? with Goodell? No, it was just oh, okay. a, a, you know, a media Just a separate. Day okay, gotcha. Because that would have been funny. If he was standing next to him, he introduced him and he's wearing that fucking shirt. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, did you hear like the Barstool just president? out. El Presidente, whatever his name is, got kicked out of Media yeah. Day. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Well, apparently he wasn't allowed to go. In, but then he, he got in. All he did was put on like one of those fake mustaches and walked right in. And yeah. no one stopped. How, how did he get in? And how did... All right. I can kind of see Perez getting in because most people wouldn't recognize him. I feel like PFT also got in, who's possibly the most recognizable person on earth. And he had no costume, full long ponytail and sunglasses at Media Day. Was there anyone else dressed like that? No chance. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and all he, but like, I feel like, I mean, I hate Barstool, but I would recognize President, oh. uh, Presidente, because he's just on all of their, you know, he's everywhere. The Pizza Reviews. I hate yeah. that's his name. <laughs> his, his real name is Dave. Know, Dave Portnoy, Portnoy yeah. yeah. So I, I think I would recognize him. Oh, just make sure. If you like walk past me on the street, hey, that's the Barstool guy. So the fact that none of them, like, was he really billing? I don't know. And then he went on this whole tyrant about how dumb they're. NFL is, which I kind of agreed with him, but I was like, but also so are you, whatever. You're just doing this, so I watch. And I'm mad I did. Also I'm mad that I did. I also <laughs> saw um, that so Maroon Five is performing at the ha- as the halftime show because they couldn't get anybody else. And then the NFL has told them not to talk about the NFL. Yeah, so usually the performer does like media day. You know, they'll yeah. they'll take they'll do a press conference, and the NFL told them no because they didn't want them answering questions about. Well, all these other artists said. No to the NFL because of their stance with Kaepernick, yeah. you know. But they didn't want them answering questions about that. Yep. Just like <laughs> they're more worried about that than actually kicking people uh, out who shouldn't be in there. Yeah, so a nuts. lot of PR garbage. Um, so, yeah. in regards to the actual game itself, the Patriots versus the Rams, um, as of now, ESPN's matchup predictor has it in the Rams' favor at fifty-two percent, but Vegas has the uh, spread at I want to say two and a half. Two and a half for, for the New Patriots. Nine. <clears throat> it's gonna be a close game. Yep, and the over under at fifty six and a half. Wow. Um, I also heard like recently, you know, within the last couple of days, that like almost all the money was on uh, New England. Really? Which was crazy for a two and a half three point spread. Usually, you're trying to get even money with that, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently, it's overwhelmingly for the Patriots. God, I want them to lose so bad. Yeah, but when then when you see a sp- spread like that, like two and a half, I mean, that's a coin flip, even though. I mean, this spread does not has nothing to do with the home field advantage, right? So it's more just straight up. But um, I mean, I've seen kind of just it's been a coin toss everywhere I've listened and read. I mean, and according I mean, to Vegas, that too. 
I mean, it's, I'm sure this is easy to find out, but wasn't there something like underdogs have won like a fair amount of portion of the Super Bowl, recent Super Bowls at least? I don't know. I don't know that. I mean, the, the Eagles did last year, right? Patriots were favorite last year, and the Eagles won. So, um, anyways, going more more so into this game, you have a two high powered offenses in New England and the Rams, and their defenses have supplemented uh, their their records that they accrued this year. And you know, when if you look at what the Rams do, what their strength is going is, it's what they're doing up front with their front four, with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald. And uh, I forgot some of their Dexter Fowler as their uh, premier pass rusher. Um, But anyway, so that is kind of the recipe to disrupt Tom Brady is interior pressure. And because he lacks the escapability to move outside of the pocket, you would expect the Rams to really put a focus on, you know, jamming them up front. I think I saw a stat today that like Aaron Donald has been double teamed on like over 60% of his snaps. And the next closest player was J.J. Watt at like 40%. And he's still the best defense. I mean, it's he just swim moves through double teams. Like yeah. it's just not like they're not. Like it's there. water. He, yeah. He's like a creative player. He has a six pack. Kind of is. He's yeah. a three hundred pound, six foot four, godlike figure with a six pack. Aaron Donald. I don't, is he even that tall? I didn't think he was six four. I thought he's, he was, I thought he was shorter. Than oh, that. Is he shorter I than that? I, was I don't one know. Knocks on him coming in the draft. I thought he was closer to six feet. But yeah, which makes it even crazier. He's still three hundred and yeah. six pack. Yeah. Good God. Oh, he has a perfect rating on Madden. As he should. He's one of seven players with a perfect rating on Madden. Who are the others? Um, it's probably a kicker in there. Well, hold on. Tressway should be sorry. a 99, this obviously. Seems like, this seems like hard to navigate. <laughs> he should be. I'm sorry, no touchbacks? <laughs> um, so, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, guys. Super Bowl. But, uh, yes, the big game. <laughs> um, the Rams, they've kind of... I don't know what's happened to Todd Gurley the past few games, but it's been C.J. Anderson has been their more efficient runner, where I think Todd Gurley only had four carries uh, a couple weeks ago in the NFC Championship game. That's pretty weird. He he like kind of almost checked himself out of the game. Mm-hmm. And then, I think he said after the game like he just w- he was playing terribly. Like he he took kind of responsibility for it. Said I you know I wasn't there. I checked myself out. Is yeah. it a health issue? I mean, is he just fatigued because he's been a you know bell cow for seventeen straight games? Or? That was definitely some of the speculation and maybe why he came out and said, yeah, I just wasn't playing well to kind of get ahead of that sort of mm-hmm. idea, but who knows? I mean, you would think for the Rams to win this game, they're going to need Todd Gurley to do what he's been doing for you know two consecutive seasons. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, we're, Obviously, we know we're just talking about the Rams defense. I don't know what the Pats defense... I mean, they play, they play great against the Chargers, obviously, and I mean, they held Kansas City... I mean, they beat Kansas City. They didn't. They had them in check for most of the first half, and all the first half at least. Sure. But one of the best offenses in the NFL. But I mean, we know what Sean McVay is going to want to do. He's going to want to stay balanced. He's going to want to establish a run with top with top. He's also early. aggressive. But then also go up top with with his receivers and keep the defense guessing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's also the Super Bowl. It's like it's a winner. Obviously, it's the game. The winner go home. So it's like you know if you're not. These superstars don't play their best. They're not. You, you're. I could really this see this being a shootout from the quarterback perspective, where you know Goff and Brady are throwing it fifty plus kind of times. Like, I mean, kind of like the what last two? Yeah, yeah. Brady versus the Eagles and Brady versus Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope so. I kind of. Ho- I mean, I think that was one of. I mean, say what you will. We've talked 
shit on the Eagles all year now, but like at least last year's game was entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Like it was back and forth. Two years ago, it didn't get entertaining until late in the game because everyone thought that the Falcons were just blowing them out. Um, and then, you know, even go back to when the Seahawks destroyed the Broncos, you know. I mean, the best Super Bowls are when – I don't want to see a defensive battle. No. Like, I don't want to see a game that we saw – at the beginning of the NFC Championship game. I want to see a game that ended like the NFC Championship game and how the AFC Championship game ended too. You know, from start to finish. High action, a lot of intensity, and um, and all the b- best players coming out and playing their best, like Todd Gurley, and coming out and playing. You know, not thinking against C.J. Anderson, but, you know, if he's getting mo- majority of the carries, that's kind of like, ah, you know, as a fan with no vesting interest, it's kind of like, ah, that's kind of boring, you know? <clears throat> What I would like to see is for the Patriots to never have a chance and be blowing their doors off from minute one. That would be ideal. Other than that, if it is going to be a shootout, I would like someone to finally figure out to not take a shot with like two minutes left on the clock to score a touchdown against the Patriots. Maybe just keep running the ball. Yeah. The, uh, We're going to blitz every fucking play. The, the Chiefs didn't totally <laughs> oh, do that. But they, they had that screen pass that when they were at like the 25-yard line that got them down to the one at you know a minute 50 or whatever was remaining and it was just i was happy the guy stayed in bounds and went down but it was like maybe take a knee there yeah maybe take away the patriots chance to like they've always kind of had the motto of if we have the ball last we're gonna win right let's let's not let them let's not do yeah (laughs) i agree and and that's kind of what i mean i don't want to keep harping on last year but like that kind of that's kind of what happened last year the Patriots marched on the field and scored late in the game, and we're like, "Well, you gave you gave Tom Brady the ball back, game over." But then the Eagles came right back and scored. strip sacked them. Yeah, and and then you know, it's also hard to predict what the Patriots are going to do. I mean, um, Sonny Michelle had over like twenty six, twenty seven carries. Um, you know, Rex, uh, what's the white guy's name? Burkhead. Burkhead was running. I mean, they 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 were a potent run heavy team in the AFC Championship game. So you could you know you could see Tom Brady throwing it. You know his little five-yard dig routes and uh, rub 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 routes, um, fifty-five times. But I could also see you know a, a Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead dominant type of offensive tack offensive plan. Yeah, and to me that's I think everyone has been talking about the main matchup for the game is the Rams front four versus Tom Brady. But to me, it's going to be Belichick versus McVay. I mean, I I think like back at last year, you know, the Eagles and Got like cute, you know. They mm-hmm. got they did they put on all the tricks, which is great. Super Bowl to win winner take all game. You got to do that. I and but I just don't. And McVeigh's that type, you know. McVeigh's kind of like not from the Doug Peterson, but he's that type, kind of type. He's gonna pull out all the tricks, all the tricky plays, go deep, whatever. Go for it on fourth, right? You know, fake punt, whatever you want to call it. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of fake punts, but it's Johnny Hecker. Too. I yeah. feel, but Bill Belichick is like the king of. All right, fool me once, you're not going to fool me twice. You know, So he's going to be prepared for that. The Patriots are going to be ready for that because that's how they got beat last year. It's not going to happen again this year. At least I feel. So I feel like the, the real chess match is coach versus coach. Can McVay walk that fine line of being aggressive and unpredictable but also sticking to his guns and sure. giving the ball to Gurley when he needs to or Cooks? or I mean, Do you want to leave this game in the hands of Jared Goff? That's do, also a big that question. Level of trust for him? I mean, that's that's yeah, that's 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 another line he's gonna have to walk. Because if I'm the Patriots defense, I'm focusing on, I'm daring them for Jared Goff to make a play. Yeah. I mean, I know he's got some great receivers with Brandon Cooks and um, Robert Woods. 
I know they lost Cooper Cup, but still, I mean, those are you know premier, uh, you know, I wouldn't say top tier wide receivers, but they're up there. And the TV's still not working. This is my nightmare. And um, so, but clearly, Todd Gurley is has is their best player. And then C.J. Anderson's been a you know revelation this past two games. You would you would anticipate knowing Belichick, he's going to you know he'll take out your strength, and then you have to beat them with you know their secondary or third options. Yeah, if you're looking at this Rams team, yeah, I would do, I would do the same thing. Put the ball in Goff's hands. Although to his credit, he has played well this playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't he, he done sh- anything. He was up and down this year. I thought the first like half of the season, Jared Goff was playing at almost like an MVP like level, and then he really tailed off. But um, right when he got part. cut, we lost Cup. He kind of mm-hmm. seemed like he kind of fell off mm-hmm. a little bit. But then well, he lost a go-to guy, and I mean, he yeah. kind of rebounded once he figured out where he wanted to go next. Sure. Sure. Didn't have that safety blanket he was used to, and you know the performance obviously dipped. Yeah, I guess Bill, you already said that you want the Patriots to just get their ass kicked a million times over yeah, would be ideal. Sorrow for Boston, just all night long. Are they, you, they've had too much happiness. I'm, I'm tired of them. Are you guys bored of the Patriots? So bored. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean they've given us some of the best Super Bowls in history. I mean that's the other thing too is none of their. I mean, yeah, none of their Super Bowls have been boring games. Yeah. I mean, even the ones that they've lost. Think about the Eagles game last year, the um, the helmet catch with David Tyree, the the amazing comeback against the Falcons, the um, interception against the Seahawks. And, you yeah. know, the first time the Patriots... And the Rams other time played. they played the Giants? Yeah. Although that game might have been... I mean, okay, these, that might have qualified. Qual- that was a, what, 16-17 I mean, Just about every single Super Bowl the Patriots have been involved in, win or loss, has been an incredible game. Yeah, all, all the way back to their first when now, they beat the Rams. Would you rather be entertained? Yes. On Super Bowl Sunday, or would you well, just like the, uh, you know... Them more getting of, killed would be entertaining, so yeah, sure. I'll still be entertained. <laughs> but, like, even then, like, when that happened, I think everyone was rooting for that two years ago, too, and when it was happening, everyone just turned it off. Like, at least the party I was at, and no one wanted to watch, no one cared. And then it was like, uh, guys, it's, uh, it's happening. They're doing that. Was, Lin- <laughs> was Lindsay there? No. Is that why no, it was for no. It, no, for that to happen, there needs to be two TVs <laughs> hooked up to the same box with different channels on. What? And we're all on the back porch watching we'll on the edge in, of our we'll seats. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't take I, I was doing fine that night. No, you destroyed a bottle. Yep. Yep. Uh, you um, literally cracked a bottle. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I going back to New England. I think blowout I would watch a blowing out of the Patriots. Were there any? Yeah, I mean, like, if it was like the same story of like the Patriots to the Chargers, because that game was like, all right, this is gonna be a good game. I like kind of like the Chargers in this game, another LA team, uh, but it just was boring to watch. It was over in the third quarter, if earlier, it was over before halftime. So it's like, all right, I, I literally turned it off. I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. The NFL doesn't want that. I don't think I want that either. I, I would rather. Hmm. Would you rather? The, hmm. But I'd rather the Patriots get crushed or them win in a close game. Probably get crushed. I wouldn't have to think about it. It's not close. Yeah. See, I, I yeah. strangely, I, I don't have animosity towards the Patriots. I mean, of course, yeah, I find it to be boring. I'd like, I thought, I really wish the Chiefs had won. But, you know, it's hard for me, I guess, just focusing, you know, being a Redskins fan playing, you know, in the NFC East. I find it hard to hate a team that we play once every four years. Um, I would feel like the hatred is maybe cumulative, like Bills, when you said, you know, Boston just wins at everything, and it's really, really annoying, and he's 100% correct. Um, but for me, just because locally, I, I besides maybe the Bruins, I never felt a strong rivalry against any of the other Boston teams. Maybe a little bit the Celtics maybe a few years ago. Um, but 
Yeah. Um, anyways, I I am not of the um, the party where they just want you know Brady to lose in the most embarrassing, humiliating fashion. I kind of am, and that kind of goes back to the the, <clears throat> the Tuck Rule game against the Raiders. I was so pissed at that game. It was a fumble, never forget. Um, so I've hated them ever since. So, but I'm on. But I see your line of thinking too. I'm kind of along that line, like you know. Kind of like Alabama, like Maryland never plays Alabama, so why would I hate? Al- I mean, yeah, because I mean, they fucking say roll tide every five well, that's not, seconds. That, see, that, that goes along the lines of I'd rather I want them to lose because I want their fans to suffer, mm-hmm. but not for the actual team. Yeah. Like that's one hundred percent it. I mean, it's the, I want it's the Boston fans. Yeah, yeah. I want that the little page- parade kid. Oh my god, oh, my oh. God. he can die. <laughs> he got another one. The Red Sox just he got oh, yeah. another one. Another one. Yeah, and he's in line for another one. So it's, maybe they'll get it's like that. Another one. And we, I mean, and just think of how happy and how much we celebrated our one this sure. past June. It's pretty cool. And like they, that it literally happens to them twice a year. And it's like, and they think it's nothing. They're just like, ah, yeah, whatever. Megan's Megan's dad is a Boston sports fan. Yeah. And he's just like, what? he he's from he's Boston. From oh. He's from Massachusetts. I know that. And he, and she's like, are you going to watch the game? And he's like, yeah, you know, if they win, great. If not, whatever. It's like, are you, <laughs> what, what? That's funny. How could you ever? It's a Super Bowl. It's the World Series. He did the same thing with the Red Sox in the World Series. He's like, yeah, their games are too late. I'm not gonna watch. It's like, what? <clears throat> so yeah, they're just spoiled, <laughs> rotten, and, and they deserve to uh, never win ever again. They've so they've did, they've had their winning time. How did Healy make it out of that then? Because she grew up here. Yeah, but doesn't it normally take your? But she's also the third. Oh, bucking against the system. I, mean, I think all her siblings are DC sports fans. Really interesting. Because her mom is also from Long Island. What? So there's like no. That's interesting. And her dad's like actually like I mean a good Boston sports fan. Yeah. Like you know not rubbing it in your face or, and but also like being like so nonchalant about it too. So it's like ah, that's coming. It's even more annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it something that are you like for me? I'm very grateful that I was old enough that I could. You know, remember maybe not as distinctly as the Patriots, but I can remember the Jordan era dynasty, and I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I was able to witness you know such greatness. And I want to say the same thing applies almost. You could say that with the Spurs and what they've done over the past two decades. And for me, what the Patriots have done with their, the model of consistency in which they've played, of course, they've been a bit the beneficiary of being in the worst division in football every single year. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because yes i'm so sick and tired of it but i'm also just you know how often do you get to see a, a dynasty of this magnitude yeah no they they found the secret sauce like you've got belichick who's just you know a general on the field and then you've also got you know brady who implements not only in himself he's not like a robot he can think on the fly he knows all the plays backwards and forwards they're on the same page when they go into the sidelines and then they just have weapons around them to get the job done and Belichick demands them to be perfect, and when they're not, he sets them and he plays somebody else. And he's, you know, he's not their friend; he's a coach. So I think their model is spot on, and I'd love to see that model go down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one other, one last question for you guys, because I, I'm still thinking about it. When I watched the media day yesterday, is that right, Bob? It was yesterday? Uh, I'm Two days exactly ago? Sure. Something like that? Yeah, this week. It's it's all week. Yeah, yeah, when I was watching, you know, all the the, uh, the the amount of coverage is so ubiquitous at this point, as you would expect. But I'm still thinking, like, this should be the Saints 
against them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't, it's in my head. I can't get it out. And I know there was a number of you know mistakes that were made aside from that atrocious non-call. At the same time, I just feel like the, the team that deserved to be there is not. And that's really the game that I would have preferred to see. Yeah. Well, they find the guy for the helmet-to-helmet hit, so it all works out. That's, yeah. 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 Oh, holy That's crap. the whole <laughs> fair trade. What an idiot. I mean, even if that was the biggest, which it was kind of the biggest helmet-to-helmet hit in the world, <laughs> why would you find them? That is just asking for extra criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's why everybody hates Cadell, because he is just so clueless sometimes of like, yeah, yeah, I don't... I don't care. I can take whatever criticism. The owners love me. I'm their human bullet shield. And, and actually, whatever. I make $45 million a year. He's yep. in, When I read that, the big game, uh, a lot of that was about Roger Goodell. And basically what you just said is he's just has to appease 31 billionaire owners. I didn't say 32 because the Packers don't have an owner, but 31 billionaires. And if he can please them, he's fine. Yep. Doing his job, earning that money. So Get t- that so money. T- so tone deaf. It, it really, really is. And especially with finding that player, that's almost admitting fault. It is. It's 100% admitting yeah. fault. Yeah. You, like find, you, you find something for wrong. illegal plays. Illegal plays should be flagged. That's why we were watching it live, and I said, that was a, that was two different penalties. That was hitting a defenseless receiver. Yeah. That was actually three. Pass interference and helmet-to-helmet contact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so do you guys feel the same? I mean, yeah, the I, I I definitely agree. The finding of the players and admission of guilt, like yeah. you, if, but I'm, I'm but I guess it broadly, are you still thinking like this should be the Saints or is that just me? I, I'm kind of over it personally. It's I, I like over. the Saints and Rams. Find equally. a new show. I think they both had a pretty good chance against the Patriots either way. <clears throat> but I mean, it's it's not like I was totally attached one way or the other to either team. And as long as there's not a huge drop-off and the better chance of the Patriots losing, I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. But, yeah, I mean, I think maybe a little bit there's th- that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's coaching or just whatever that, that extra intrinsic quality is that you think that the Patriots had. I think that the Saints have that a little bit as well, some, yep. of, some of that magic that they had in past years, mm-hmm. which I don't think anyone thinks the Rams have. I mean, McVay is definitely good, but I don't think he's earned that kind of mystique yet. Of, yeah, of the Sean Payton and Drew Brees relationship and you know, first ballot Hall of Famers as soon as they retire. Type. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe a little bit of what it is is that you don't see, at least yet, other teams against McVay outcoaching themselves. Like kind mm-hmm. of what you were talking about earlier of, of being unpredictable, but outthinking yourself in that situation. I feel like people do that to the Patriots all the time, and it drives me wild. That they, yeah. they, always, like, they always squeak by because someone makes tries to get cute with it and messes it up, and they just give the Patriots that chance to win, which they usually Blitz execute all it. night. You know, for, but for me, and, and a few things, because it was reported uh, as a few days ago, as I understand it, that four of the officials and the NFC Championship game are residents of Southern Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, Southern California, and... Really? It, yes. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't think that played into I, it, but that's interesting. And then more so there, you could say, oh, it was rigged, which I don't think it's rigged. The, yes, the NFL can be tone deaf in so many, in a variety of ways, but I, I'd, I'd like to be a believer in, in this stance. But, you know, the Rams moving to Los Angeles wasn't just uh, the idea of this, of an owner. The NFL wanted to be back in Los Angeles and they wanted to make LA kind of that uh, NFL market. West type yeah, headquarters. It's a massive market. Because they have Jerry World in Texas, and then of course you have the Eastern Seaboard with the, yep. you know the NFC East. But you know if they can 
you know, establish a front in Los Angeles, then you're looking at a b- different kind of game. Now, I would say from a short-term, long-term plan, from a short-term thing, I would say the you could sell Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, Sean Payton versus Bill Belichick, Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer, so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, guys that have been there for so long, and especially a, a player like Drew Brees, who I think is just universally universally loved and admired for what he's done in that um, for his city and that team. I would also say, because when you watch the Rams games, how many Rams fans are there? There's not many. Yeah. Where the Saints have one of the best fan bases in the entire league. So I would say, you know, from a ratings perspective, I would assume a Patriots-Saints Super Bowl would generate more of an income. But if the Rams win a Super Bowl, then you're looking at a, rab- a fan base that's really going to start growing. Yeah, growing. Right. So... Oh, so what are you saying? That my, my no, I'm saying what do you, what would you think the NFL wants more to grow that fan base, or do you want the already established one right now in the game? Well, this is under the presumption that this was handled in a way to get the the yes. Super Bowl that they uh, wanted, which, which I, I I I don't agree with. I think it. I think that was such a close call. I mean, I'm sure in their in their mind they would love to be able to have that control, and when it comes to like, I think Brady is the NFL's. Um, uh, what's his name? Penguins, uh, Crosby, where he's just untouchable, except for obviously Deflate Gate, quote unquote. That was but another terrible call. Like it's, I don't know. I I I like the story. I like the the you know the comparison between the two. It's kind of like a David and Goliath fight. The Rams have been stellar this whole season. They've stumbled a couple of times, but they've come back. Their coach and their team, you know, from all of their press releases and videos, look like they're you know really meshed together and, and are in this to win it and aren't taking it for granted. And the Patriots are trying to come back and do it again. And Brady's just getting older. And, you know, I'm definitely, I mean, I called this game from the beginning and I want to say that the Rams, you know, are going to win. I'm hopeful for that. But in, would it have been better with the saints? Maybe, you know, are they a little bit, you know, more deserving in the sense of just age and time and hall of famers? Maybe. But I'm happy with the result. But what happened in the call still sucks. But would they have, like, two more possessions after that? Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, if they really wanted to rig it and get the Saints in there, they could have thrown a flag on Drew Brees' interception because he technically got hit in the face. Yeah. So they, that could have been a hand to the face of the quarterback penalty, whatever they're calling now. Yeah. I mean, they called pass interference on Tom Brady, and, and he got – yeah, that was that, that was, was like, ridiculous. Was like I mean, he got brushed on the shoulder, <laughs> yeah. like, with, while, with, the, with the ball in hand. <laughs> the Saints has been like kind of hogging all the media on that. I would be equally angry if I was a Chiefs fan for that call. Yeah, that, that yeah. kept that's almost more going. atrocious to me than the other one because that one is like the ball maybe had just left his hand. He didn't even move. Tom Brady didn't even take a step backwards. Hit him on the shoulder pad. Yeah, he yeah. didn't even like budge, yep. and that was a penalty. Whereas at least the other one, it's full speed. You know. I mean, for me, I can kind of, I can forgive the human referees on the sideline for not calling it full speed. And that's one of the other things. And they kind of made this point, I think, on the Brady penalty. Whoever it was, it Pereira or whoever the Jerry Oss, I don't know, whoever's in the uh, broadcast with the former official, kind of made the point that NFL referees aren't supposed to call what they think they saw. Exactly. They have to see it. So yeah. having a non call. Okay, you just didn't see it. Even if it was obvious to everybody else, maybe you're out of position, maybe you're downfield. If you're not sure, don't call it. Right. And yet every time Brady gets the benefit of the doubt, oh, here's the flag. He moved his head a little bit, so it had to have happened. Yeah. Which you could like they couldn't have seen it. They they showed the replay. 
and they were, to the point that they were making, you have to see that call. There's no way the official could have seen that right. because it was in front of his face. Like his helmet blocked his view of where that hand hit. Right. And he'd be like, oh, whatever. I think it's Brady. I'm, and I'm, I'm and so especially for, for those that truly, truly have hate the New England Patriots is it feels like in every single one of those situ- situations, the Patriots come out as a benefactor of it. Oh, yeah. And it, I agree. I mean, yeah. they have been, of course, they've been great and they have, you know, again, the model of consistency to win in the NFL, but they've been lucky too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all, that's kind of what you need to win championship. That's not just one, I don't but multiple. Don't want it to be close. Don't want it to be a shootout. Don't want it to be a defensive battle. Don't want it to be close. Don't give them the chance. All right. Burn it down. So then who wants to go first? What do we got? Let's get some predictions going. Let me check the over. What was it? 50, 56 and a half? I'm hoping for the over. I'm going to go. Life's too short. See, all right. I, I, so I'm stuck. Do I pick what I. <laughs> so, like, I feel like every. I got. Bobby got nothing what he wanted this postseason except for the Cowboys and Eagles, Eagles winning after I already wanted them to lose. So. Hey, at least they they lost. Do it's I okay. pick against what I actually want to try to get that karma or do I actually pick what I want? Because I want the Rams to win. Life's short, buddy. Pick what you want. Fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna go. If you can dream it, you can do I'm it. I'm gonna go Rams 38, mm. Pats 34. Okay. No, 35, 35, 35. It's higher okay. than what I was gonna go. Now you're making me second guess. I'm going to go Patriots 34 to 31. I do expect this to be a high scoring game. Similar to what Bill has already said, I feel like there's going to be a situation where. There's time left on the clock, and Tom Brady has the ball. And the Patriots will do what the Patriots have always done, and that's always find a way to win. But I'm going to say they— It should be a good game, though. I'm going to say they won't be able to do it because the Rams will do what the Eagles did last year, get pressure up the middle, get a sack fumble to win the game. Okay. Actually, no, I think Jared Groff's going to win the game. But good. Go ahead, Gregory. (laughs) Uh, Rams all day. And it's going to be— See, I was going to go 31-27, but mm. you know what? No, I'm sticking to it. 31-27. Rams? Rams. Okay. Bill, what you got? Kind of torn like Bobby here. What I want, I mean, I want to predict, you know, 48 to nothing Rams. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, I, I think that the Pats will probably find some bullshit way to win again. Um, so I think I'll, I'm. it's probably like 31-28 was what I was thinking before, although the opposite direction, so the Pats. Okay. Uh, I don't want that, but that's, I mean, they've, they've proven to be the model of consistency to take advantage of everything, to get what they want, to, yeah. to, to make it happen and execute that. I mean, everybody do your job at their motto, right? Or, oh, my God. They and, don't, and they do a good job. And I'm also having gotten what I wanted on any of these podcast Super Bowl picks. Like two years ago, obviously I picked the Falcons and they choked. And then last year, the one time I picked the Patriots, they choked. And then I'm going to pick the Rams this year and they're going to choke. That's not how that works. And also the Patriots only lose to NFC East teams in the Super Bowl. Got it. So that's just the way it is. Got it. God damn. All right. Um, I just hope for a good game. Yeah. yeah. Keep me entertained. And I'd like to win in squares, please, which I never do. But oh, I'd what's like everyone's to. favorite prop bet? Coin flip. <laughs> That's always fun. Can only be one or two. <laughs> I'm a big fan of will there be a safety? Yeah. You, you would have got that in uh, the, the Saints one, right? No, no, no. no, no, no. Seahawks, the Seahawks one. There's one on the Patriots also. 
Patriots, Giants, the second one, I think. Yeah. Only one overtime in NFL Super Bowl history, which I think is crazy. What was that? Oh, uh, the, the, Falcons. the Falcons game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, this is uh, the first time in the Super Bowl that teams from the same cities that also participate in the World Series will face each other. Oh, yeah. Embarrassment of riches. <laughs> good so thing you, we have that. Yeah, good thing uh, those Dodgers have a long-standing history of being Rams fans, too. So they definitely hate the Patriots there in, in Boston. All right, let's stick on the gridiron. Uh, briefly, uh, the Redskins made a big hire in terms of name recognition today. And literally big. And literally big. <laughs> uh, Rob Ryan, brother, twin brother of former NFL head coach Rex Ryan, has been hired to coach the Redskins inside linebackers. Ew. Thumbs up for me. I don't, I don't, if you have no other thoughts on that, Tom, I'll, I'll go ahead. No, uh, please, shoot. I See, this is a good hire on paper, right? Yep. Part of me doesn't like this, though, and I'll tell you why. It, I, I think what this was was they went out there, they tried to hire a new D coordinator with you know Greg Minuski's blessing. He was in the room interviewing them. Sure, right? uh, um, sure. And they struck out with that, right? No one wanted to come here. They couldn't get anyone to sign on. And you know, maybe hopefully some of that was coaching uh, – you know, brotherhood or whatever, of saying, no, I'm not going to take some guy's job who you haven't cut yet. But now it's like, okay, we've hired a big-name guy who's on the staff, so in week three, when the Redskins give up 40, we can cut Minuski, and it's like, oh, look who's waiting the wings. Rob Ryan right here. Wasn't he just a D coordinator in Buffalo? Oh, yeah, just sign him up. Everywhere. He's been a D coordinator everywhere. And so, I mean, yes, I'm sure Never he's got enough. a lot of, you know, info that he can pass on to the guys and, and, and coach up, you know, Kind of an underperforming unit last year, I thought. Mm -hmm. There's definitely talent there, um, but I I didn't think they played as well as they could, especially behind that line. Um, But it's just one of those things where I I just, it's so what the Redskins have kind of always done that I don't like it. Like, I prefer they go out, they find, hey, who's a really, hire London Fletcher, hire someone who retired who played the position really well. Don't hire a big name guy who is also a potential candidate to replace Minuski as soon as they want. Yeah, it, I it's, totally get that. that's a good point. I didn't even look at it like that because for me, I don't want him to be our defensive coordinator because his track record, he struggled in Buffalo. He got fired after a game against us when he was a defensive coordinator for the Saints. He wasn't successful in Dallas. At the same time, you know, someone that has struggled in a higher position, you know what, let's go. Let's get you from cooking you know, filet mignons to now you're just going to be a line chef making sandwiches that Grant Paulson made up today. I thought was a good point. Uh, I'm On paper, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I... I would say if he's just job is to from a micro perspective is just coach the inside linebackers, which they're going to be coached up because we're looking at two potential new starters. However, I didn't look at it from a long term perspective, but that makes total sense. Is especially with it already would appear that Minuski's job is in flux. Yeah, I agree with Cookie. I was the, I mean, I was on board with the hire because it's just another bright. Defensive mind in there. I mean, maybe yeah, more, not. Bert. More brains in the room isn't ever a bad thing. It's just right. th- there's this other intangible part of it of how often the Redskins are gonna fuck this up. Yeah, and then it's just the way of, the process of how it happened. The whole defensive coordinator process, bringing in guys to interview, and and like we said, like uh, you know, why would you want to come in here and to interview for this position, the defensive coordinator position, and take that job knowing that they haven't even fired the guy that currently holds the position, and like. Are they going to do the same thing to me? Like, no wonder Greg Williams didn't come here. So, yeah, I agree that it's a good hire for this position, for that coach. I mean, now you've got Tom Sula, Ryan, and Minuski in the same room. I mean, those are 
well-respected defensive minds around the league. But yeah, it's also kind of being like, well, you know, we, <laughs> you know, this is the internal thinking. We try to get rid of this guy, Minuski, couldn't, couldn't find anyone better. So when we have reasonable cause to actually fire him, we have someone who we can just promote yeah. from and within. And especially to Bill's point, the Redskins deserve, they absolutely will never, ever deserve the benefit of the doubt. So if this was a, a franchise that has, um, you know, been able to uphold themselves and stay afloat, be respected, consistent, then okay, that makes sense. Sounds great. But, you know, the Redskins will find a way to Redskin this, most likely. Uh, that said, I would also say the Redskins' front office has got to be almost kicking themselves that we let go one of the maybe the best young mind in this entire sport get away. And right. Sean McVay, who at my age is going to be the head coach in the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah. And he, we, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready when we had him. Was it three years ago? Mm -hmm. Wasn't ready. I'm sure. Jay's ready though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and Sean McVay will if and he said like he's indebted to Jay Gruden and they have a very good relationship and he said he wouldn't be where he's at professionally today without Gruden's guidance, which I appreciate and I know based off of what a few Redskins analysts have said, he wouldn't have taken this job out of respect for Jay. And now you've seen the you know domino effect of these young, inspiring minds with Matt LaFleur going to Green Bay, with uh, Kyle we didn't Shanahan. We him, right? Oh, 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 yeah, we did. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've seen these young guys now are getting hired. Anyways, there is um, last season's passing game coordinator, I believe that's was his role, Kevin O'Connell, former NFL quarterback, another young guy, up-and-comer. He has since been promoted, in which the Redskins blocked him from interviewing for other jobs outside of the one he has here in Washington. So you they, keep your employees happy. Yeah. So is Kevin O'Connell their you know, next Sean McVay? Well, they're hoping, mm -hmm. right? And, then I think every, and outside of the Redskins, everyone has said so that he is. Even Tory Smith said he's the next Sean McVay. Which, is that right? On Twitter. But I don't know. Yeah, but will I they give him the keys to do it? I didn't, that's the question. It's like, are you promoting him so he doesn't go anywhere else and becomes another Sean McVay-like situation where you let another brilliant guy walk out the door? Or are you they promoting him now and hoping he's a Sean McVay type so when if and when they have reason to fire Gruden or let him go, they'll just promote him to head coach and yeah. just cross my fingers and hope he's Sean McVay 2.0. Yeah. And that's the thing with the Reds. I mean, there's a million things with the Reds. <laughs> One of them is they're so reactionary. It's, okay, we messed up with McVeigh. We messed up with, with Fleur. Well, we got a new guy now that we think somewhat highly of. God, we got to do everything in our power to keep him, even if that means, you know, dicking him over in the interviewing process with other teams, if that means, you know, doing whatever we can to keep him there. Having him have to coach up Colt McCoy and whoever we're going to draft this year, most likely. It's just one of those things where it's like that's the things you don't see good franchises doing. They they develop, you know, in, in terms of Belichick, I think actually in terms of it's different from players to coaches. He promotes people earlier. He lets people go all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's to sabotage other teams because he knows they're not that great, but who knows? That's another conversation. Sure. But it's one of those things where it's like the Redskins just react. They never, they're never proactive. They're never thinking ahead. Right. They're just think, thinking, how, how do we just fuck up? Yeah. How can we not fuck up again? They're just constantly putting on band-aids uh, band on something that needs stitches. Right. I mean, here's another one. They're always two steps behind. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like 10 years ago, the sexy thing was, you know, spend big on free agents. So they went out, they got Albert Hainsworth and Donovan McNabb. 
that didn't work out. And then, you know, a couple years ago, it was, uh, oh, you got to get get a guy in there who's good at the draft and can evaluate players. Oh, they went and gotten uh, Scott. Um, and the guy before that, John Schneider of Seattle. Yeah. And then, I would lo- I would love to have Seattle success over that that you know five six year run. And they, they didn't like what he was doing when he was here. So then they were like, okay, well now you, now the sexy thing is hiring new young head coaches. Well, we got one who's supposed to be that good coming in the wing. So don't let him go, and he'll be our head coach one day. But then you might be behind the ball already. Is this guy really going to be? I mean, I'm not saying anything against him, mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell, but is he actually? Because again, I haven't heard about him since heard of him since his promotion was made yesterday uh-huh. I mean, maybe in passing sure but never focused like oh yeah kevin o'connell but like you know is this guy really everyone's saying he is it's not just the redskins tooting their own horn being like yeah we got the next time McVay." no everyone who actually covers the team has said this is a great promotion they needed to keep him in house otherwise you can't let otherwise he was gone and someone else would have scooped him up so yeah i mean it's just are they behind the curve again in in terms of this or are they just are they the the cat that's copying are they the copycat that's part of the reason I'm still kind probably of are. neutral towards O'Connell, just because, as you said, that it's outside sources saying that mm-hmm. they feel positively about yeah. them, that there's other people reporting this. It's not. If it was just the Redskins, I'd immediately know this guy has no uh, yeah. chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's it's also hard for not, us to not be cynics because they have never proven to be correct um, throughout a period of time. Um, I mean, and then to be honest, I mean, I, I remember at least for me, I was like kind of a little cynical when they promoted Sean McVay. You know, how, how you tight ends coach to offensive coordinator. That's yeah. a pretty big leap. And then now of course, look where we are. So mm-hmm. yes, we are correct in being pessimistic about it or at least questionable about it, but we've been proven wrong also in the past, but sure. I think Sean McVay also is one in a million. Speaking of Kevin O'Connell, he was the only coach to be down in mobile um, for the senior bowl this past weekend. Uh, Chris Russell was on the uh, went in went on Chad's show today, and he is fairly certain that the Redskins are going to draft a quarterback at some point, probably within the first few rounds. So I find that interesting that they send, you know, they're almost their offensive guru now, former yeah. quarterback to evaluate somebody, somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I saw that kid from Duke, Ky- Kyler Murray to uh, DC confirmed. No, yeah, I don't want him either. I don't think he'll go that far. I would have to check the board and see who's ahead of us and who needs a quarterback. Quarterbacks are always going to be, you know, overdrafted. Right. So, and that's why I don't want him going. Even if he does fall to us, I don't yeah. want him going one. I mean, four went in the top ten last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a and that was a crazy class. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I would, I mean, haven't done real in depth research on this class, quarterback class. Time I'm passing it on to you for mm-hmm. uh, for June. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like next year's is better. Oh yeah, so 100%. it's like why? Well, the the guy that I mean, who was the number one prospect was Justin Herbert out of Oregon, and he decided to go back to school for his right. senior year. Um, so you now you have him, who Mel Kiper has and Tom McShay both said he would be the first quarterback taken had he come out. Um, usually that doesn't work in their favor. Yeah, um, you think of what Matt Leinart and Matt Barkley, um, Jake Locker. I mean, these were you know number one suitable picks, and they all kind of flamed out. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anyways, I, I mean, there's a couple interesting guys this year that yeah. it, would, it would be cool if we could, you know, draft in like the third, fourth round. Mm-hmm. But like you said, everybody gets overvalued at that position, so they're they're probably going to be first round picks. Yep. Like I'd be interested a little bit in in Will Greer will probably be a first round guy because he's got a cannon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and also that kid from Duke, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Everyone's really high on him. Man. He's a pro him. big guy, the one big guy, guy. And he's pro typical. So I like the other huge dude, the guy from Buffalo. Yep. Tyreek Jackson. Tyreek Jackson. Just, I, don't, I saw looks couple, like Cam Newton. Yeah. He's saw a, a couple monster. highlights on him and it's like that. I don't, I mean, if you can read a defense at all, you should be successful at that size and yeah. having that skill set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, that's a guy who probably now goes in the first, you know, the 30th pick. If he hasn't gone yet, it's the 30th draft pick or 32nd, whatever it is, and it's trade. Hey, let me take it. And I'm on the board that um, I, I would not spend a first-round pick on a quarterback this year just because we don't know what's going to happen to this franchise moving forward. Totally. Where's agree. Jay Gruden going to be? And not to mention there's not a quarterback that's like, this guy's a can't miss, especially we're in the middle of the round, and we're not going to trade up because we learned that the hard way too. Um, and especially with next year's class looking to be so far superior to this one. Um, but I'm okay with the second round, even though the Redskins definitely need to hit on these earlier picks. But, hey, if if someone's there that you like, then I'm okay with you know taking a gamble on a second-round pick where you're not as reliant as opposed to, like, for, you know, first-rounders are plug-and-play. Right. Type um, type of investments where, following that, it's but the important part is it's got to be a guy that you wanted already. You know, it, mm-hmm. it can't be the panic move of hey, we had six guys on our board, five of them are gone, got to spend this second round. Like, if that wasn't a guy you loved, I don't want him taken in the second yeah. round. Yeah, and that's that's why I was kind of thinking like third, fourth round, kind of like hey, Kirk, it's a flyer. Yeah, we already got a quarterback, but you know what, this guy we believe in, he's got talent. Let's try and stash him. That worked sure. out. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Well, typically, typically the rule of thumb is, you know, you with your first pick or second, first and second pick, you take what you need. Following that, just best available. See what happens. I mean, the Patriots draft a quarterback almost every year. That's true. Well, they they drafted. They went in um, consecutive years. They went Garoppolo then Brissett, and they both got draft oh, picks Garoppolo. returned. Huh? High hopes for you. Well, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll talk about the draft and everything after the Super Bowl and into the, you know further down into the um, off season. Yeah, and speaking of the cold, that's a conversation that needs to be. Yeah, it's a huge conversation. It's freezing. Um, so let's stick. Let's go to um the let's go to the rink, the pond. So um, we're not gonna be fucking sunk this year. <laughs> yeah, except Ovi, you kind of fucking suck right now. <laughs> that's what I wanted to. Where, I, I wanted to off. talk about that at first. He was um, still in the playoff spot, yeah. but we've lost seven in a row. Yeah, I know. What I know. do you mean? He was great swimming with that dolphin. That was pretty good. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you didn't see that? Oh, he's with a dolphin? Yeah, he's taking vacation. The All-Star game's a little overrated. He got suspended for a game for ditching mm-hmm. the All-Star game. That's so it's dumb. Well, it's the league rule. That you can't yeah. have people bailing on it. Man, it's not very fun. <laughs> Voluntold. Get so your ass there. you three are, are much more with that. In, uh, connected to this team than I am. Um, let's compare this one to last year. And the, the Caps could not have gone on a, a seven-game losing streak, as you've mentioned, Bobby. Um, are we more confident this year as opposed to last? Where, where do you guys stand overall? I think they have at least earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'll give them that. I mean, also, if you're looking at the top ten teams, it's very similar to last year of who's in it. Um, and they're just really fucking good. So, I mean, we're... Somewhat tied, although higher in points than Pittsburgh, so that's always good. Um, Toronto, um, uh, who else? Uh, Tampa Bay are fucking ridiculous. Uh, Winnipeg's fucking ridiculous. Um, So I think the talent in front of them is hard. I think going on a seven-game losing streak doesn't help, um, but there's still time to pull that around. There's a lot left to still be done, I think. So, I mean, you lost seven in a row, and you're still only three points out of first place in your division. So it's like... It's a game. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's and also, I mean, spins on it a little bit. It's kind of the perfect time to go on a slump right before right. the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Take a break, go on vacation, swim with a dolphin, get your head <laughs> in the right place, and, and come back and turn around. So I think the first couple games back are going to be big for me in terms of did yeah. they take the time off? Did they recuperate? Did they make any adjustments and go from there? Again, in hockey, it's it's not a thing like basketball where you need to be a one or a two seed. You need to have that talent in order to win the championship. It's just make the playoffs, get hot, start playing you know the right way like the Caps did last year. Yep. They kind of figured out how to, you know, hey, maybe we should block shots. Oh, yeah. If shots don't get to the goal or to Holtby, <laughs> good chance they're not going maybe in. Maybe we should clear the fucking crease. Yeah. Huh. So, Weird I mean, how I, that works. I think as long as they're <laughs> treading we water split up the, at this point in the season – and which you know it's kind of not what they've been doing they were really hot to start mm-hmm. and then they cooled off recently yeah but i think you know as long as you're in the hunt as you know you're, you're going to make the playoffs you're comfortable there i think that's what's important at this point in the season and that you're healthy and they've been pretty healthy for the most part or at um, least what they've alluded to yeah also it's funny that uh Ovi skipped the all-star game to rest up and be prepared for the playoffs and and just has been in it for one game so you're giving him more of what he wanted <laughs> It's like, all right, cool. I'll take it. Yeah, and I mean, he doesn't get paid that for that for that game, but still, he gets the rest. Yeah, one less game on his legs. So and body. Really, the biggest storyline going into the season was the new head coach and Todd Reardon. Assess what? How do you guys think he's done so far? Like a solid B, maybe B plus. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, at this. So here's the thing. At this level, even with I mean, like cause I just remember playing hockey myself. That the coach really isn't involved that much in your on the ice playing. You're either cuz one you can't hear him and two he's giving out line changes, he's pointing out things that are on the ice, huddling up together and noticing things and and you're like, okay, yeah, we got to watch out more for this. We got to get back into that. But when you're on the ice yourself, it's just you. So this team having pretty much the exact same roster going into this season, I think he's had a pretty cake job to look good. Um and I know that was my opinion of, you know, um, what's his face? Um, Trots. Trots over being there for four years. And, and you know, it's it's always been the talent that's there. So I think he's doing a good job. But honestly, it's the guys on the ice that are doing it. Yeah, it's a talent. And then I think the scheming part doesn't really, especially like also like in, same thing in the NBA. Scheming part doesn't really play into effect until postseason. Right. That's when you're, you know, every game is a must win. That, um, that's what the, I was going to say. The too. season's so long, you can go. Win on talent alone, most games probably. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing I would say is a knock on him at this time last year. That's when Trotz laid into the team, being like, "You're not playing." You know, he did that now infamous like, "Fuck you guys!" Like you guys are not fucking playing well enough. Like in the middle of the season, and they turned yeah. their season around and got hot. But what are yeah. you going to say? And so, what are, are we getting that from Todd Reardon now? And, and that's the thing. At, at this point, kind of to both your points, it's it's all about: Are you maintaining that focus? Are you maintaining that energy? And keeping the team up and, and, and playing hard. That, that's what you're doing at the regular season, right? And yeah. w- when you have the talent that we do, there's going to be slips. And so you might have to you know, explode like Trotz did last year at the team and really go off them and try and hype them back up. I think where he earns the money is going to be playoffs. And, and, that, and that's where I'll really judge. Because, I mean, that, that, that's kind of what we talked about when he was le- or when he became the head coach last year is that the team was comfortable with him or with, with Trotz leaving was because Reardon was the one who kind of had the, the, the key decision to change it up in terms of our attack versus uh, Vegas. Right, like yeah. He was the one who said, hey, I've studied enough of this team. We're playing them every night now. This is what we're going to do. And that, that's where you can really influence things in coaching is when you got a series of, hey, we're going to see these same guys four to seven times. 
we can figure this out in that you know week, two weeks, and, and really lock in and play the right way that we want to to beat them. Yeah, right. It's a lot tougher to do that when you're playing three games a week and it's a different opponent each time. And right. You know, maybe one day to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got like a couple of couple of key plays are like moving it around, especially working on penalty kills, which we definitely could do a lot better of, um, especially going into this run. And the power play too. It's, Both it's, special teams. I'm, power yeah. play has been slipping. They haven't scored as frequently as they did earlier. I mean, they were the best, if not the second best power play in all the league for like the first third, maybe close to half of a season, and, and they completely fell off. Yeah. Over that seven-game streak, they were awful. I hope uh, Holpe is doing nothing but tennis ball drills the entire break. That's and the goaltending, too. That was, yeah. that was a concern of mine a little bit, was that injury to his eye. Yeah. Um, I was at the Islanders game, that first game back that he played. And I mean, obviously, I'm not a goalie expert. He looked a little bit sketchy on a couple of things, which, you know, maybe it's just the first game back in a week and you don't want to get hit again in the eye. Uh, but that, that's the only real concern to me because, like, that's something that if you're not seeing the puck right as a goalie, that's like your number one job. Right. I mean, getting there and stopping it is, is, is a secondary thing. But I think that the, the thing that sets aside, you know, the Hall of Fame level goalies are the ones who just see it well. The game right. just slows down, they kind of talk about. Yeah. And that's you know, kind of need your eyes for that. So taking a uh, stick to the eyes. Is a concern of mine at this point. So hopefully, Hopi is you know fully recuperated and, and is is back to his normal self. This seven, so that seven game streak that gave up two goals, four goals, seven goals, two goals, eight goals, seven goals, six goals. And that's oh that's boy. what that's what was so good. especially the, the game against San Jose was just unbelievably just like a punch to the dick. Like yeah. come oh, on, one second. Like they they had the whole game and and true to true to the Capitals they they have a tendency to get lazy one in a lead and also. I don't think for them. I give up. It's just I'm going in, going into the break, just being comfortable and just kind of going into that slump. I'm I'm hoping they they come out of this, you know, full bore and realize that in order to, you know, get to the position that they need to in playing. That, so with this seven with this losing streak, or how worried are you guys? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. What's the uh, worry meter? I I'm optimistic. I'm not incredibly worried about it i think if we go another five games of seeing the way they've been playing the last seven i'd be very worried yeah i'm not worried it's gonna be incredibly hard to turn it around after that yeah i'm with porter i'm not worried just yet i think it's they could very i mean they play i mean it's not gonna be easy but they got calgary and they play boston i mean they've they come out of this break yeah this can't be right they come out playing wait is this right one two three four five six six straight home games there you go out of the break, I'll yeah. Take, if I'll you come out break. and you do anything, yeah. But look at who they're playing, though. Jesus. Yeah, but Calgary, Boston, Vancouver, Colorado, Florida, and L.A. The Kings. Yeah, Florida, Colorado, and L.A. are going to be good. The first three are not going to be great. Those are going to be our games. Like, yeah, well, that seems like a lot. But so, then they they had a, they had a, a long road trip too out west. Yeah. But still, I mean, take advantage of that. So I'm with Porter. You know, if they drop three, if they go if they go 500 over that those six games. I'll start to get worried. They need to win at least four of those six. Where yeah. were you at on that? Yeah, I mean, I hate to echo the and same not thoughts, but I mean, to a, to a degree, I think the the a cup uh, kind of earned them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I think that's true, anyways, in hockey to a degree that you know slumps are going to happen early in the season. Sure. Just kind of I mean, again, as I said earlier, just just make the playoffs and and, and kind of get hot around that time and figure it out then. That, that's okay. what's important. Okay. Um, last question regarding the caps for you, for you all. Um, I think last year something that really was a, a, a that helped the team out incredibly uh, underrated trade was the uh, Michael Kipney acquisition. 
Um, do you see any trades for this team in the future? Whether that's, I mean, we're a year a year ago. Braden Holpe wasn't even our everyday starting goalie. That's true. And is is Copley is Copley or Copley? Copley, Copley is Copley. Is he? You know, can we rely on him to be that backup goalie? Um, you know, Andre Burakovsky has been the subject of many trade rumors, which feels like almost every year. But, um, anyways, do you see them addressing improving a position or anything? I I would not see them pulling in somebody. I, I think and we've talked about they've got good talent. I think uh, what's his name? See, uh, yeah, my name is Jonas Siegler, whatever it is, the Siegenthaler. I can't know. Uh, but anyways, I mean, he's played way above expectations. So I think defense was kind of you know, that, that third line of defenders was kind of the uh, the uh, the hole that we thought we might have, and, and he's played well. So I, I don't think that they're going to make a trade that to bring somebody in to help this team. As I said, I'm, I'm, I mean, we won the cup with basically the same pieces. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. What I would potentially like to see is if we're going to trade Burakovsky is get some draft picks, try and mm-hmm. restock the system a little bit. I think yeah. that would be the trade that I would try and do because I'd agree. They, they said three years ago the OV window is closing. Yeah. So yeah. Let's try. Are you are you restock. done with Bur- Burakovsky? I don't know. Well, the, the my my argument. He's frustrating. It's frustrating because he's so inconsistent. I mean, we don't win the cup without him last year. He basically won the Tampa series for mm-hmm. us. So, and he scored in the. No, I don't think he scored in the, in the Cup finals. But anyways, kids got talent. It's just the consistency thing. To me, it's like, and I've heard this argument too. It's do you need someone just to make a trade just to get new blood in there, just to get that shot in the arm because mm-hmm. you did lose seven in a row. You are in second place when you should be in first place. Are you at that level yet? I don't know when the trade deadline is, but are you at that level where, all right, you know, kind of what Kempney did last year. It was like, all right, just got a shot in the arm, new, brand new blood. He came from a bad team, but he's a you know a talented guy. And, you know, he, he scored, I think, more goals, as many goals with the Caps in the second half than he did all his whole career with, yeah. the, with the Blackhawks. So it's like, you know, do you need to make that kind of move? I think to be determined, we don't know yet, but that seems like it could be a possibility if the second half doesn't start or, you know, coming out of the break doesn't start as well as it should. I think on offense, we're we're stacked with enough talent with enough veterans and guys that have been there that, that know what they're doing. If I were to have like a dream just and I wouldn't know how this would work, I wouldn't know who it would be. But if we could get a young, fast, big defenseman, that's just balls to the wall on the line every time in front of the crease, just knocking people over, getting the clearing the puck out of there. I'd love to finally see that. I mean, I love Carlson, but I don't know. I think injecting some of that, getting, getting a young player to be, to play that role. Who's just all over the defense. And especially when we're playing teams like Pittsburgh and Toronto and Winnipeg that just sit there right in front, get some big ass, big ass guy to fucking knock them down. Yeah, okay. that's the other thing too. If they were to make, I don't know, I don't know the NHL outside the Caps or even the Eastern Conference well enough to go. Okay, who can, who right. are we gonna go get? <laughs> right, exactly. Some, I don't know. Some like I said, I, I don't know who that would be, but that'd right. be awesome to see. Yeah, because yeah. the Caps have been missing that for a while. And they figured that out late in the playoffs, but you know. All right. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll get more in the Caps later to on. To be season. determined. Um, moving on to the hardwood. Uh, the Wizards certainly have disappointed so far this season. And um, I wanted to read you an excerpt that um, Ted Leonsis was inter- was being interviewed while the Wizards were in London last week for the Knicks game. And he was asked about the discontent within the fan base. And if anyone's familiar with this fan base, 
just about 99% of all of the hatred goes goes towards Ernie Grunfeld, the general manager, um, the least qualified uh, employee of this team, and uh, he's terrible and should be fired at, at the end of this sentence. Um, anyways, uh, Ted said, I, I don't want to read this whole thing, um, but just to paraphrase, um, all I have to do is look at last year at the Caps, fire the coach, fire the GM, trade Ovechkin, Backstrom, etc. And so he says he see all, sees all these things on Twitter. Uh, no, he doesn't because he blocks Wizards fans that are critical of him. Um, he's not happy with our performance, but you have to make non-emotional what's right for the franchise. And you're, if you're a leader, you don't meet the goals. Yeah, there might be a price to pay, but everyone should be considered. Um, we're 40 games in. We're halfway through the season, and we're 21 and 29. Let's see. Trade on this. Um, it's our job to make decisions that are based on what's in the best interest of the franchise. And right now, what's in the best interest of this franchise is to make the playoffs. So, Winning off the field. Well, let me start off and say, Ted, that's the Virginia's doing great. Um, that is unequivocally incorrect. Wrong. Yes. Um, the Wizards are so short-sighted and so foolish that they have completely painted themselves into a corner. They have, I believe, the fifth highest salary cap in the league, yet they're eight games under 500 in the inferior um, Eastern Conference. Um, basketball is unlike the three other um, sports in hockey, football, and baseball. Basketball is driven by superstars, and it is um, without a superstar or really superstars on each team, you are not going to be able to succeed in the long run. Um, the Wizards, who have been good in comparison to like our childhood when we were, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, the have been, um, <clears throat> you know, have been decent over the, you know, with this John Wall and Bradley Beal era. They've been okay, but they've never been had a legitimate chance to win a championship. Um, anyways, th- this team is so, um, for lack of better words, screwed that they're not going to be able to do anything in their future to try to remain, to grow on this success. Um, they are stuck in purgatory, and there's no way out of it. And the owner comparing the Capitals to the Wizards, it's so untrue. And, um, yeah, this is uh, my nightmare. Ernie Grenfell's not going anywhere. He's not. And, and yeah, they're, they are stuck in the worst place you can be in sports, which is... Mediocre. Yeah. They're going to be forever mediocre. Like you said, I mean, even if you want to make the comparison, okay, say the NBA and the NHL are different. Caps are loaded, like we said, with superstars. Yes. Backstrom, Ovechkin, Holpe on a good night. Carlson is an all-star defenseman. TJ Oshie is an American hero. He's a goddamn American hero. Yeah, he is. Wilson. Wilson. Tom Wilson. And, yes, while John Wall, who is not playing this season, he's out. He's hurt. Uh, also, nowhere near on the level of like an Alex Ovechkin. I was gonna say if he's he's the closest thing we have to a superstar, okay. and now because he's out, Bradley Beal is playing at that level too because he has to because no one else Scott is good enough. Scott Brooks is playing him a criminal forty minutes a game, and being short sighted yet again. Keep going. Couldn't have predicted that. No. So it's I mean it's I think it's a very ignorant and like like we said like I said earlier it's the Orioles at least acknowledge that hey this is not gonna work we got to do something else we got to we got to do the old rebuild situation and yeah. and it's different yes baseball doesn't have a salary cap there's a salary cap that 
the capital uh, the Wizards have to work with and mm-hmm. they're stuck with these god awful contracts. Thanks again, Ernie. Yep. Um Yeah, and it's just there's one common denominator and it's Ernie Grunfeld. And he's here. He's he's been here since oh three. Yes. And he's not going anywhere soon. So now, like you said, purgatory. Wizards are forever stuck in purgatory. At least what for the what? at least for the next five years. Five years, yeah. So we can't even tell because they won't release the deals of Ernie's contract extension. No. What's the so? Do you know what's ha- the benefit of making the playoffs? I, you know, I understood it a few years ago when we got Marching Gortat and we got Paul Pierce, and you had these young players, young core of Brad and John. You're like, you need to bring in these vets that are championship tested. You know, them playing in the on a fifth or sixth seed, winning a, a that a made series. Sense. That makes sense. That does a lot for their growth and the experience that is needed to succeed. But they, you know, you continue to rebuild through the draft, making smart acquisitions, um, you know, um, allocating your salary cap appropriately. And, um, you know, Ernie's done, you know, virtually the exact opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, so many thoughts on this. Try and get it semi coherent here. But, yeah, please. I mean, we just talked about, right? Hockey, totally different from basketball. It's not just make the playoffs and you got a chance. It's, yeah. If you're not the one seed or the two seed, when was the, when was the last time anything below that made even the NBA Finals? I, The Finals? Oh, I don't know. The last time was 20 years ago with the NBA shortened season when the Knicks made that run. But that was like through a 50-game season where it was hard to accurately gauge. Yeah. How do I know that? I don't. And so I, I think, Tom, I may have texted you this mm-hmm. recently. I feel like <laughs> Wizards oh. owner... Ted Leonsis's worst enemy mm-hmm. is Caps owner Ted Leonsis. I, I, it yeah. it just I totally abs- approaches them with the same mindset, yes. and it, it's to, to, uh, two totally different sports mm-hmm. with totally different. I mean, it's the same goal in the end, but there's there's two totally different approaches to be successful in it. Mm-hmm. And while I like the idea of hey, consistency is good, you know, let's try and have the same guys year in year out. And he and he when he inher- when he bought the team, he did rebuild. Yeah, immediately almost. And I think there's a lot of value to having the same same minds in there, to not having a quick trigger, to not being Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. But if the guy you have sucks, it's not helpful to be consistent. Then you're just going to consistently suck. Yep. And I mean, you you want to either be tanking or you want to be the one or two seed. Exactly. There, there's no like you said purgatory. There's no middle ground in basketball. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. nice to make the playoffs. Maybe we wanted to do that when he first bought the franchise to. Hey, let's make the playoffs. Let's prove we're not a laughing stock. Let's get some notoriety. Let's get some eyeballs. Let's get some fans back. Mm-hmm. But now, like they've they've accomplished that. Now they need to figure out how to get to that next level, and that's probably at this point trading people away and tanking. Yeah, and it's too bad because I really feel like it's been to the detriment of two really really talented all star level players at Bradley Beal and John Wall. And I know John Wall has not been himself the past couple of years, and I'm a big fan. He's one of the few bright spots throughout our Bullet slash Wizards fandom. But if you're looking at his contract moving forward, starting next year when the Supermax comes in, untradeable. it is the most untradeable, the worst contract in the entire league. That is hard to do in a league that is so desperate for you know, all-stars at all times. That was just one of those things where it was like, I heard rumors earlier in the season that we were possibly going to trade him, and I got excited. It was like, I did yes, too. Please, please. If we please could find anything, anyone to get to get us get us out of that contract, because there's a few things. Um, one, we're, it, the Ewing theory could definitely be applied to John Wall at this point. We saw it last year. Yep, the Ewing, Ewing theory is Bobby. No, nope. it's when your quote best player um, 
when he's out, you play better. Oh, okay. And the Knicks statistically were always better with Patrick Ewing out of the lineup as opposed to in, even though he's considered one of the best big men of you know all time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they made that run that you referred to right yeah. after he left too. So exactly, was a big part of it. You know, it's I think for for one, I want to look at this from like a realistic plan versus ideal plan. In an ideal situation, this is what the Wizards should do. They won't because we're idiots. I'm sorry, Ted's an idiot. Um, ideal situation, I'm finding a way to unload John Wall's contract, even if that means acquiring some other awful ones. But you know, when that Supermax kicks in, we are so financially hamstrung that we're not going to be able to build a team. Um, two, the same thing could be applied to Otto Porter. At the time of that... Um, w- that contract that Otto Porter is currently on, he's also in a max deal. It was matched because the Kings tried to acquire him a few seasons ago, a couple seasons ago. And Otto was just coming off of a career year, and Kelly Oubre, we weren't sure yet. And um, so the Wizards, out of desperation, go, okay, we'll match it. And now he's averaging, like, what, 10 and 5? He he's, forgot how to shoot. I don't, he I don't know he is there. in an absolute funk, and he's now not even starting. He's a sixth man. Um, your, your max players do not come off the bench, by the way, Ted. Um, I'd find a way to get out, out of his contract, but at this moment, he's been playing so poorly this past month, I don't know how, how we're going to be able to unload that because he has been rumored to Sacramento and New Orleans and a few other teams that are desperate for a you know, a 3 and D type of wing player. Um, in an idea such, furthermore, I would build the team around Brad. I would, long, I would um, lock up Sato. I'd lock up um, Thomas Bryant, who I think are two really nice finds in second-round picks. It's almost weird when you invest your time and effort into second-rounders. And then I would just tank this season. This is a loaded draft class coming this spring, this summer, excuse me, and just, you know, hope that you hit. That's the other thing. This draft class is absolutely loaded. Silly. And you're trying to get the eight seed in the Eastern Conference? Like, I'm looking at the standings. They are... Three games out of the eight seed behind Charlotte and four games out of the seven seed in Miami. That's your only realistic options. And you're still eight games below 500. Mm-hmm. What What's the benefit of making the playoffs, getting swept in the first round by either Milwaukee or Toronto, and now you're getting a mid to late round first round pick? Yeah. I mean, yes, the class is stacked, but you can get a franchise-changing player on a rookie deal if you get a top... Mm-hmm. Ten five pick absolutely. I mean, it's not just Zion Will- Williamson that's going to be projected at a very very high level. Um, Bill, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you were the Wizards GM, how would you? We'd be in a better place. <laughs> True. Yeah. You guys know we could still be paying Andrew Nicholson. Yes. Good job. <laughs> Good idea. Yamahimi too. Keep getting him checks. Uh, I, you know the problem is. I mean, you talked about wanting to move Wall. That, that's impossible. He's injured. You can't trade him now. Nope. And then, as soon as he becomes healthy next year, the fifteen percent trade kicker comes in on his supermax contract. So forty million dollars a year. I mean, he's just an untradeable asset for at least the next I don't know two three years. And that's if he turns it around, starts playing like an all star again. And he has it the past two years. And then the one guy that I mean, Otto also. Almost impossible to move at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. people have rumored, but no one wants to pay him. You don't like you said. You don't want to pay a six man a super. You know, a max deal. Yeah. The one guy you want to keep is our probably one only trade asset. One hundred percent. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, 
yes, I would like to make all those moves you talked about, but realistically, you can't. Yep. So realistically, the only one would be Brad, which we'd be able to get a substantial return in for. But I mean, he is a franchise building type asset if he's given, you know, put in the proper position with, you know, good players around him and a good a coaching staff that knows what the hell they're doing. And someone to build that franchise, which is kind of the key factor there, mm-hmm. which we definitely don't have. So, I mean, I don't know. First step, fire Ernie. <laughs> Never going to happen. That was first step for the past, what, now 16 years? Something like that, yeah. You would think drafting Jan Vesely over uh, Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson would be a fireable offense enough as it is, but we didn't. We did not. And uh, Or never forget Randy Foy and Mike Miller for the fifth pick. Um, instead, that worked out. Um, could have been Curry. Yeah, could have been Steph Curry. No big mm-hmm. deal. Not that. You know, to me, it's just, and we've talked about the, the the D.C. area in terms of its Wizards fandom, and I really feel like it's just such a disservice to this town because if there's one thing that is just homegrown here, it's basketball. Yeah. I mean, you could create an NBA team just off of Prince George's County alone. Yeah. You know, the WCAC is probably the most recognizable athletic conference in all of high school basketball. Arguably, that is. And, you know, there's a large following with Georgetown. There's a long history following with Maryland. And, you know, some of the, you know, just pickup games downtown there. These are, you know, historically recognized and known. Yeah. Yet there's always just been such a level of apathy for this uh, franchise in this town. And it's such, it sucks because I feel like if they really, really put on, you know, a, a product that was enjoyable, exciting. Um, this would be, yeah. everyone would be over the moon. I mean, the the only time that we saw that, and it was about a two, three-year window, not even, was the Gilbert, yeah. Antoine, and Crom Butler days where they were selling out Verizon Center every single night. Um, and that was some of the most enjoyable. And the Paul Pierce year. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it, that's it. Yeah. And it's um, it always frustrated me that I feel like there's just, such, there'd be such a level of you know connectivity between this town and having a successful NBA team, but yeah, you know, I'm happened. always going to be a college basketball guy over NBA guy. But if the Wizards were constantly a top four team in at least the East and had a shot to make the Eastern Conference Final, had a shot to maybe make the on a good year make the NBA Finals every year, I'm in. You know, I, I would still watch that. I know Tom watches every night. Mm. I used to during those years but i don't watch i mean it's just now because like there's no end in sight for me like what am i watching yeah why watch this product when i know you're gonna know the result right down the line they're not even fun bad they're just awful they're they're not trying there's just no effort they've been better since john left that's true i mean the ball moves a little bit more now Mm -hmm. and i guess some of the younger guys that have been in that i saw recently have looked somewhat good thomas bryan has been a he's a thing He's looked great, but He's again, good. that's that's you know eating minutes that could be going to Jan Mahimi, so it's easy to look great comparatively. Sure, oh. <laughs> sixty-four million dollars. Sixty-four million dollars. It, it, it's it's tough to watch them. I, uh, I, I don't know, I'm I'm punted on them for this season. I, yeah, so have I. And then that said, haven't early on, on the too NBA because I am not not a fan, but certainly a Nuggets viewer. Oh my God, they're the best to watch. Oh my God, Jokic is the best the big Joker, man passer I've seen. They're calling him the best passer since like Bill Walton. He is absurd. He has literally zero athleticism, and he puts up thirty and ten just like it's <laughs> nothing. It's crazy. I it's really really fun to watch too. And I mean, that's a team not really. He's their superstar, but you know he's. 
LeBron James isn't on that team, and he doesn't have all stars like the Warriors do, and the Trailblazers, and what James Harden. James Harden's playing at a Michael. He's at a Michael Jordan type of um, hot streak right now. I don't know. Oh yeah, kind of ran out of bounds and blew the game last night. That was hilarious. Did you see that? No, I didn't. He tried to draw a foul. I think it was down three. It was one possession game. Brought the ball up court and just ran into whoever was one of the Pelicans. Tried to draw the foul. Yep. Didn't get the call. And just ran out of bounds and Makes looked sense. at the ref. Didn't try to put a <laughs> shot sense. up. Didn't try to throw a pass. Just said, and that's hey, why I don't like. About why the aren't you giving me this game? Yeah. Well, more last thing about uh, the NBA, Bobby Bill, um, Anthony Davis requested a trade a few days ago. And he got fined for it, and he got fined pretty much fifty thousand dollars. A lot, of, a lot of tampering. Yeah, no one's ever tampered on you know Instagram, never or Twitter though. No, nope. NBA free agency tampering has never been a thing ever. Um, Unless you tamper with yourself. Well, isn't it also he's doesn't he have something kick again next year? Like he could stay for the Pelicans and and get a stupid amount of money. Mm-hmm. How much is it? It's it's one of the max contracts. Yeah, so something substantial. But he he rather ditch that go somewhere else and and win. Yeah, that's well, he can get that same money basically anywhere else though mm-hmm. for that year. Obviously, if he stays, yeah. he gets more. But in terms of next year's money, he can get more. But yeah. I think he's just he's. Kind of almost in a wizard situation mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, yeah. I'm on a franchise that just really isn't going anywhere. Yep, I'm an all-world it, player, but that's not enough. It would probably be di- it'd be a different story if they're in the Eastern Conference, but because they have to go sure. against the West, I mean, they're just never going to conceivably be able to beat a team seven, you know, four times out of seven. New Orleans is obviously a West Coast franchise, of though. course. Yeah, yeah. and Dallas um, is East Coast. <clears throat> that's totally. geography right there. Um, but it's, I is it. Annoying to you guys because superstars have all the control, their own control in the NBA. They can go, all right, I want a one-year contract every year, and then I'll tell you if I'm coming back or not. And, um, you know, LeBron James has dictated NBA free agency what has felt like a decade, almost a decade at this point, what, you know, what all of these superstars have done. Um, it, you know, and if that's their, that's their prerogative, of course, but it's almost like I feel, I know there's very few Pelicans fans out there, but I feel like, oh, my God, we got a superstar, but I know if we don't give them – other all-stars to play with him, then he's just going to leave. Yeah. And that's what every other, you know, uh, premier marquee NBA player has done, um, you know, going on 10 years. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't begrudge them for that necessarily. I mean, no. the, the the idea of kind of joining up and making a super team is a little annoying to me. But it, what you talked about in terms of kind of setting their own terms for contracts, like, yeah, LeBron basically did do a bunch of one-year deals and he protected himself a little bit. You know, it was a two-year deal with a player option year too, so it wasn't totally hanging himself out to dry. But again, that's betting on yourself. It's betting on your health. If you want to make that gamble, if you want to do what Kirk did and succeed, well, I can't blame you for that. Like, sure. if, if if that's how you want to play it, that that's smart if you're LeBron. I, of all the things he does that annoy me, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Like, if you're going to bet on being healthy and you're historically like the healthiest person ever somehow, <laughs> fine, use that to your advantage. But you know. To then say, you know, if LeBron wanted to do that and then go join the Warriors, yeah, I'd have a problem with that. I, I, I don't oh like as much of the, let's, you know, let's, instead of beating them, join them. I mean, yeah. I love KD and I kind of just, I hated that decision to some degree. I still hate it. I don't, I, I totally understand it. And the Warriors are awesome to watch, but I much prefer the mentality of, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat you. Yep. I'm not going to just be like, ah, that air has been long easier. gone too. Which yeah. I think is probably Bobby's biggest gripe, one of his biggest gripes. Was that? 
that there's just not the same level of fierce competition now. Right, it's, and that's uh, kind of, uh, uh, that's what I was kind of kind of say. It's like also the NBA is set up where, like, you can't combat super teams. Like e- even tanking isn't a full guarantee to work because there's because a lot of these still to get the draft. Right. Get, yeah, you only have a certain, and then you also have to hit on that draft pick. You have to pick the next superstar, and then how do you build a you know? Then you're building another uh, super team one by one through the draft. Like the Sixers try to do it. Yeah, they're good now, but they're not a super team. They're not close to being a super team. I mean, they got pretty much as close as you can probably get. Uh, ben doing, Simmons gets a jump shot. They're going to be really, really good. But are they good enough to beat the Warriors? Are they good enough to no. beat, you know, are they even good enough to beat the Celtics? I know the Celtics aren't playing as well this year right now. But, you know, or the Raptors now. Raptors can play, man. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, I don't know, just the way, the direction the NBA is going, it's there's a, it's kind of like Ernie, there's no end in sight. Like, yeah. this is just the way it is, and this is how it's always going to be from now on. Well, if this draft class really proves to be as, you know, heralded as it has been, I mean, maybe this could be a league-changing type of class coming in. Like, I'm sure the Nuggets are great, to, are fun to watch, and I'm sure, like, even the Jazz are good, too. But, like, they don't have a leg- legitimate shot to... Win, win it all? Do they? No. Do they even have a legitimate shot to make the Western Conference Finals? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's a maybe. They have a chance if you know KD crashes his car into Steph Curry. Yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's, it's it's great that we have good fun teams, but it's in the end, nothing matters because these super teams are going to be there. Yeah. It's going to be the Rockets and the Warriors. It's going to be probably Toronto, maybe Boston, maybe Milwaukee. Like just, and just because Giannis. Man. So. Anthony Davis, that's where he should go, by the way. Um, Milwaukee? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's going to end up in L.A. because... Oh, he should, I mean, he should go to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see. Okay. Um, fire Ernie, as always. Always. Um, always. We're on to the final segment of the night. Oh, thank God. Hi, Gregory. I've been so fucking bored for 25 goddamn minutes. That wasn't t- <laughs> Wait, we could have brought Porter in the NBA talk. This was, this the, was uh, horrible. For the, did Jesus. anyone see that Mick Foley fell asleep. was mistaken for Robin Lopez's father? Really? <laughs> <laughs> some some sense. kid walked up and asked him. It was great. Nice. nice. Porter, Rotten Gregory's. What do we got tonight? Uh, so has anyone here seen, I think Bill might have, uh, the show Happy on Sci-Fi? No. So have you seen it? I haven't, but I am familiar. I know the, uh, was it, Law and Order guy? Yep. Yeah, Christopher Maloney. Um he is, um, what's his face from Wet Hot American Summer? Gene. He's Gene. Um, so Happy is, the first season's on Netflix right now, uh, so you're able to see it. And the new season is starting in March on Sci-Fi. And it's based off of a graphic novel from Grant Morrison, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a um, four-part series in that that's basically just unbelievably dark, crazy, violent, and... Uh, insanely uh funny so it's it mixes this whole uh, the show or at least they talk about and and what they were actually able to put on regular tv doesn't even come close to what the graphic novel is of just like absolute insane violence but it's all matched with hilarity and the best way i could put it is is if christopher maloney's character in svu was broken finally by just all the terrible shit that he'd seen and just went off the deep end and was just banging hookers and doing drugs that's this movie. Um, sure. So it follows the main character. Um, show, right? Hmm? It's a show. It's a show, yes. 
So it's a show based off of a graphic novel, and Christopher Maloney is actually one of the directors in it, and I think he pr- helped produce it as well. Um, but it's incredibly funny, but super, super dark. And I made the mistake of recommending it to a coworker of mine uh, that just had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's a big Rick and Morty fan, so I was like, oh, I, we have like similar interests in shows. I was like, you're, you're going to love this. And her, uh, her husband as well. He's like, he's going to love this too. And I get a text um, without ruining anything. It was like, um, so you failed to mention, I know you said it was violent, but you failed to mention the baby in a microwave part of the show and like she literally just, she's got a five-month-old kid and i was like oh fuck yep yeah, block that part out <laughs> um you don't see anything but it is implied and it's 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 pretty gruesome every hit there's like blood splatter and and all that but christopher maloney's character in the show and his his um uh character name is eluding me at the moment is just unbelievably funny the writing in that show is fucking awesome and Patton oswald is also in it he is the imaginary character him of uh, Who is Happy, which is a flying blue unicorn. So it follows, essentially, every child has an imaginary friend. They're all assigned these friends that they get at, at, at birth, essentially, and have become um, in their adolescence, and this child is kidnapped, and the, the imaginary friend is trying to find uh, the little girl. And in one of the episodes, um, that's how they find each other, is that also part of this story arc is that it's believed that this detective can't die. He just gets completely fucked up shot and everything else but so somehow he just can't die um and it's uh, the mob is trying to kill him um and he's just going around he turns into a hitman he's addicted to everything uh he takes copious amounts of drugs there's a lot of um sounds hysterical psychedelic um sequences and shit where he like and i think in the first episode he, he blows his head off and is just kind of like dancing around with you know psycho or um it's it's so I'm, psychedelic on top of the imaginary unicorn. Yes, correct. But the the banter back and forth between the two of them and also um, Maloney's one-liners in this show are fucking amazing. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's, again, full warning, if you don't like violence, you're probably not going to like this show. I mean, it's violent in the sense that of how um, The Walking Dead is like gruesomely violent. Um, but it, they match it God, with that really, really dark humor. Um, like really, but really, really funny at the same time. Um, so I don't really have anything to compare it to TV show wise. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I saw the trailer last year or, um, yeah, yeah, last year. And it was just like, this looks insane. Uh, let's give this a try. And I was very, very, uh, satisfied and it's, it's great. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, I, I know we started talking about true detective to start the episode. Um, nah, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, just my my spoiler have you've you've caught up to right? yeah. my spoiler free thought so far. Um, they got it right again. Let's just yeah, forget. Let's just it. say season they forgot about season two. Um, also understand that there's nowhere to go but down after the performance you had with season one. Um, at the same time, Mahersha Ali is fantastic. Um, he plays a, it's another um. But time lapse. Uh, yeah, it goes back and forth between multiple timelines or yes, yeah, three, time, so time three periods. Different time three different right? like the 80s, the 90s, yeah. and, and today. Current day. You know, what I thought what made season one of True Detective one of the things that made it so amazing was the relationship between, oh my God, the TV's working. It only took an hour and a half. Um, and no, it's not. Mine does the same thing. God damn it. Um, we it. never we never turn it on. It just forgets it's here and just stops sending a <laughs> signal or something. Um, was that dynamic between Woody Harrelson's character 
and Matthew McConaughey's. Yeah. Now, they were totally, completely different individuals, but somehow they found a friendship between one another. And also, a Woody Harrelson understood that this guy's just on another level. Yeah. You know, he's a Hall of Famer where I'm just a, you know, a veteran at this point. He's, he's better than me. I, I recognize that. I'm not going to get um, stand in his way. And I feel it's kind of it's comparable to Mahershala Ali's character in Stephen Dorff's, where you know Stephen Dorff is fully aware that um, his his counterpart is better than him. Right, but I, I would say it's they're also kind of flipped because mm-hmm. season one, Matthew McConaughey and um, uh, Woody Harrelson, they are they don't get along, and then you know they become friends as the case goes on, and when they when they solve it. Whereas in this season, um, the two the two guys are are buddy buddy. They're all good friends. They have been partners for a while, and now it's feeling like as this case goes on, they're kind of tearing them apart. Mm-hmm. Well, they said they had a, or, or a right. Dorf kind of said they kind of lost track of each other. So yeah. there yeah. definitely was some reason. And in the current apart. day, they aren't speaking. So yeah, they is kind of different pathways. But same. Stephen Dorff may not be alive in current day. Have we I seen think him yet? He, I think he, we saw him in the preview for this week's episode. Okay. At the end of last week, he's old. Did you see? Uh, I forget who this. was. Someone wrote. Someone wrote. This was probably like the Ringer or something like that. Would that would be my guess. The uh, the tie-ins to season one. Yeah. No, I, I haven't teased. I, yeah. Oh, I it, it was good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw when it happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one. Um, the the, the computer. Showed, yeah. The yeah. computer showed like a Computers. picture of of Woody Harrelson and uh, McConaughey. Sure. And and referred to some detectives busting or former detectives busting some some ring. Yeah. But it, it also it's it's different in terms of their relationship where you know McConaughey was just so condescendingly outspoken and obviously just thought differently. Where there's not that kind of. Like you could tell right away that McConaughey is just so far superior intellectually than Woody Harrelson's character, and you know to an extent maybe that's similar, but you know I, it's not as yeah substantial no, as what we I saw think it, I think it's similar because I think even Stephen Dorff's character like who I like a lot in this, right yeah I think but he, and like in I think 1980 when they're first investigating the case he's like yeah man he was like a tracker in Vietnam like he knows what he's doing I follow his lead whereas like. And season one, true type of Woody Harrelson, like he always let um, Matthew McConaughey do the interrogating. He's like, because he always gets the he always gets a confession, so I always let him do it. So yeah, I think it's very similar, and like they kind of differently, but they also do kind of appreciate each other's own separate skills. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoy it. It's it's I'm, again still waiting for that oh shit moment, um, which I'm think is coming this week. Hope so. I gotta catch up. It, it yeah, also I, it's I worth start. It. it also has to do with like a podunk southern town that is just you know dilapidated. That's the thing. That's, but my thing is like there's nothing scarier to me at least, <laughs> especially like like you know growing up Catholic and these have like a lot of ritualistic symbolism and like mm-hmm. you know devil worshiping shit. That's just scary on its own. But like there's nothing also scarier than like. 70s 80s midwestern america or deep south america where there is just nothing like you can get away with anything because everyone's fucking crazy there's no (laughs) technology there's no technology like a lot of stupidity we have a lot of stupidity a lot of ancestral shit and it's just like and woods i mean there's just woods everywhere you can just go and and fucking do (laughs) anything people want and you care wonder why the south fucking hate us right one of the best way to sum it up non-spoiler one of the witnesses they interview it's like yeah i remember seeing some couple or something like that and i 
They stood out because they were driving a new car. Yeah. No one around here has a new car yeah. in the entire town. <laughs> or it's like uh, Tom Segura's bit. Like, what? I was rewatching season one. I was like, why the fuck did we not build a wall around Louisiana? Get those people the <laughs> fuck away from us. They are insane. <laughs> so good. I love Tom Segura. Also, uh, watch any of all Tom Segura's stand up. Yes. It's amazing. Always. Always so great. Um, Porter, the, the spoiler, the cliffhanger. Don't, which we don't, don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I'm, it sounds like you're about to tell me. I'm just going to tell you part of it. I don't want to know any of it. There's a Claymore. Cool. <laughs> Claymores are dope. I knew you'd like it. What are a what? Claymore. Hmm. It's basically some grunt found out that it would be great if you put a shape charge behind a bunch of ball bearings in a directional field and it's got a clacker that you have to hit three times and it blows up and just sends hot metal. And Got it. Face towards enemy. Landmines. Oh, it's landmines. got directions right on it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, well, Cookie, thank you very much for filling in today for pinch hitting. Yep. Uh, for Ian, who is out. I oh. forgot to do my Ian impression. That's not really Ian, but that's Ian doing an impression of South Park. <laughs> so that's me doing an impression of him doing an impression. Nice. Noted. Uh, put Inception. me in Coach Podcast <laughs> on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Um, check us out. Give us a follow. Subscribe. Spread the word. Let us know what you think. PMIC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All the things that are good. At Bobby underscore Blanco. At Tom underscore Natalie. At Gregory doesn't want spoilers. <laughs> um, and at C- Cookie. <laughs> at <Sure>. Cookie Monster. <laughs> Um, for the guys, we'll catch you next week after the Super Bowl. I'm Bobby. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Night. My watch is ended. This has been Put Me In Coach Podcast. Screw you guys. I'm going home. See you later. There's glory in the legends of the 